If you're getting this message, it means we were successful once again in getting past the jammers and are now broadcasting on pirate radio from the free state of Texas. Stand by for more critical information to follow. Many Bothans died getting this message. Hot takes, just sit down and hit the record button. Hell. Think of how many hours of things that I just... <laughs> other people are not listening to and don't care about but <laughs> yeah <laughs> no wow. i mean in the end this there really is some sort of um i was telling sierra this a few days ago there is some sort of um ego there has to be some sort of ego to record yourself right oh definitely <laughs> definitely there is <laughs> <laughs> but I I don't know. I haven't put my finger on why I want to record, but it just seems, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet, but we're doing it. So, I mean, I don't know. There, there might be a similar like dopamine hit as, you know, like social media, you know, cause there, I mean, there has to be an Could ego be. to post a status or to post a thought on Twitter or Instagram or uh, TikTok or whatever, right? Because, like, in the grand yeah. scheme of things, who cares? Who cares what you think about your teacher or, you know, whatever newest movie? You know what I mean? Like, in the grand scheme of mm-hmm. things, nobody cares. But there is a sense of ego when you see people like it. So I think, I don't know. I mean, I can't speak for you, but... I think, yeah, just the idea of recording it, like the idea that somebody is listening to us just have a conversation about mundane topics. <laughs> I mean, I'm th- that has to like strike you as just kind of like, oh, yeah. You know, even if it's like one listener, somebody's paying attention. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I There's some of that. I don't know. I'm thinking about it now and it, it's kind of going along with that whole, the, the grandparents and the, the, what we were talking about before. I feel like there's, uh, I want to have this be out there, you know, cause potentially, and probably not, but potentially this could outlive both yeah. of us. And just the idea that, um, somewhere down the line, you know, and whoever knows how long somebody could listen to this and be like, whoa, that's how people thought about things back then. Or, you know, just unique takes that we don't have from the past. It almost, it seems like something that it's a drive or a requirement almost to leave some sort of legacy, even if nobody ever listens to it, but just the possibility, a record. Because I would love, I would love to be able to listen to somebody talk about their life from, 200 years ago and we're never going to have right. that. and especially just common people all we have is the elites um and their thoughts which are completely different from people's day-to-day experiences and just the possibility that somebody in the future will be able to just go back to whenever people started recording themselves most people which is probably when the iphone came out and look at 
and listen to how people thought back then. I think, I think it's, it feels like a, a requirement to me. I, I don't know. And that maybe there's some ego in that, but. No, I think th- those are all like really good points. I've thought about, I don't know, kind of journaling as mm. dumb and emo sounds. Um, <laughs> Cause I mean, to, but for the same reasons, but then it's like, you know, who is really going to care? But it is, like you said, just so whether it's my kids, grandkids, I don't know if somebody finds it after I'm dead, just like what the common man thought, mm-hmm. like exactly like you said, you know, right. what's, what's my take on, you know, yeah. various world happenings or whatever. And, exactly. but then I don't know. I don't know, grand scheme of things. Maybe this is nihilistic or whatever, but um, does it really matter? Like, who am I? Like, no, you know, <laughs> somebody that comes in in 200 years to flatten the house and they find this little notebook, probably don't even know how to read at that point because they just have AI downloaded in their brains <laughs> to just give them words and whatnot. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just seems like such a waste otherwise you know i mean it's not like either of us is a rocket scientist or i mean we don't necessarily have anything to contribute but i don't i don't believe that i think that every single human brain has such unique qualities that it's such it's just it seems like such a waste and a shame that so many i mean the calculations are that there's been a hundred billion people that have ever lived. Wow. That's a lot of people. I mean, wouldn't it be, and all of their thoughts and the, their takes and their perspectives, and we have zero record of it and never will. And it seems like just this unbelievable waste. Um, so it's just it's so cool because you just think about how things have changed like if our you know just taking pictures of you know family members and day-to-day interactions and stuff like that there's a record now that just did not exist before um and i would love to have this kind of record from the past but it's it's obviously not possible so it feels like almost an obligation to people in the future just to have the option you know yeah that's that's all but i think that's i don't know why my opinions on this keep sounding so pessimistic um (laughs) it's fine i I could go pessimistic too, because like i agree with you but then when i start talking it just Sounds so fatalistic and oh, cynical. Um, I don't know. There is something to that. Kind of like what we were talking about before we started recording. And I guess even to this. Um, I I don't want to keep referencing uh, the UK trip. But when we went there, I got more out of it in talking to the cabbies and I mean, even like tour guides when we weren't on the official tour than I did, Mm. you know, being on the touristy stuff that we did. We didn't do a lot of touristy stuff, but 
because it is you know that is the common man like especially like a cabbie like he sees and hears like all kinds of stuff you know and i feel like i mm-hmm. learned more about irish culture and talking with him for i don't know whatever the 10 minute ride to the airport than i did like the entire time i was there so i think that i think i think there is hmm. something to that where you know now you know we uncover ruins from you know 1200s or uh, probably older than that but uh you know and we just assume like oh they must have done that because we we can only look at it through a modern lens and yeah you know i i don't feel that we fully know what was going on so i think if i think you're onto something where if you do have stuff from the common man you would be like oh this is how it must have been and i think it would be a mm-hmm. lot easier to understand the past yeah i mean yeah because it could it could very well be an alien world to us i mean people could have thought about things so very differently than we could even imagine or they could have been exactly like us and that's that's to me is a big big mystery yeah you know maybe if you go back to some of the first humans in africa you know they they would have just you wouldn't have been able to obviously you wouldn't speak the same language but if you learned it would you even be able to communicate ideas about anything it's like what what did you think you know the sun was why did it rise you know why you know just all of these questions, maybe it was so alien that you wouldn't even be able to communicate with them. Or maybe they're just like, oh yeah, you know, they had the same intuitions. This that that's a big question to me. And I don't we're never gonna know that. And even even a short time ago, you know, what if just your perspectives on everything were so wildly different that we wouldn't be able to communicate with those people like two hundred years ago. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. It boggles the mind. There's so many questions there, but it'd be cool to do a service to people in the future. To they'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. They, then they'd know. They'd be able to check, and maybe that would help them understand the world better. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's so it's it's kind of like is it well? So it's kind of like having the so why you know why people are driven to have kids, and it's you know deep deep down it's basically your genes are um that's the only reason they exist is that other people had children all the way back to the first thing that ever divided in two and it's it's an unbroken chain from the very beginning billions of years ago and the only reason any of us are here is because those people and things had children it's this, it's kind of the primary drive. Um, and it's, it's almost like that with ideas too, is there's a drive to keep, to record those ideas so that they're not lost and people could, you know, there's junk DNA, there's mutations, there's people who, you know, their family line ends. So it could all be fatalistic in the end, but there's some sort of drive to record things. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking through this in real time, but <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I, cause I, I kind of agree with that. 
because I, I think breaking human existence down to, I guess, like primal instinctual urges is like we kind of have to like mm-hmm. we give ourselves too much credit to some degree i think like oh we've landed on the moon we've done all mm-hmm. this stuff you know like look how great we are but our basic needs are the same as lions or monkeys where it's like you have to keep the species mm-hmm. going and i think you do that right. through you know having kids through at least for humans through recording things like you're saying and that's how the species progresses. Otherwise, we, we humanity would end. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just, I think, I don't know. We just get too, too on our high horses and think we're so important that we, we forget a lot of that. Like, to me, to me, having children is one of the most mm-hmm. important things you can do. You know, not just for your bloodline, but for the species. And then raising them to be, mm-hmm. you know, solid human beings that aren't awful people. Right. That's that's a key component <laughs> there, I guess, because it's like 50-50. You pass on the genes, but you have to also pass on the ideas. Yeah. Or do you? I mean, you don't, you don't necessarily have to. It's all just a game of statistics and chance and which ideas are going to win out over time and which genes are going to survive and but yeah, you gotta, you gotta play the game, I guess. (laughs) At least that's what our genes are telling us to do. Yeah. I mean, to some degree, um, like we were talking about before, uh, I guess we started recording. Um, like it's, you know, whether it's like a lion pride or, you know, whatever, um, the family just like it grows out like they they create a you know they further their bloodline they have babies those babies as they get older have babies and like they all just stay together in like a for lions it's a pride you know it's a group and mm-hmm. they teach each other to hunt they help they you know, do all these things. And I think humanity, we've lost a lot of that. We, yeah. we are so, I don't know if it's because of social media or if that's just, um, I don't know, a result of our selfishness. Um, but we, we're so self-important that, you know, I mean, think about it. like the modern, the modern ideal is you send your kids off to school for eight plus hours a day. You send your parents mm-hmm. to a retirement home where they, they just sit there and watch daytime TV. And then mm-hmm. you work, you know, 40 plus hours a week all for what just so you can just so yes. the government can't take your house from you 
Exactly. And like, that, like because it certainly isn't right. to eat. It's just what? What you is know? that? That's why I, I, I sometimes wonder if the the quote unquote homeless or the bums have it right. <laughs> you know, they're they're doing what people are supposed to do. They're just doing just enough to survive and feed themselves and shelter to some respect. They're not playing this weird game that everybody else is playing. You know, like you're saying, we're it just seems like we're getting plugged into this machine and it's getting better and better at integrating with us. You know, it's not about humans anymore. It's about what we're doing. You know, you, you plug yourself into your job, your very, very highly specialized role in society. It's like we're this becoming this gigantic, this super organism that came to life when the internet connected the world. Um, it, it basically was our, our brain connected all of people's brains together. And now we're trying to create the, the machine or the body that goes with it. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. It does. Sense. Cause it sounds it's like what, the matrix. Um, I, well, exactly. <laughs> it, and it, it is a weird thing though. Cause your, our communication would only go so far as our village before or our tribe. And you'd get some news from the outside and other people, but generally it was cut off. And now the internet, we've laid cables, we've got satellites. Every human brain on the earth can now be connected in some way. And ideas go all around the world. So it's changed, changed our perspective. But then, the, like you're saying, we send our kids to school because it's then implied, right, that the professionals at the school are, they're specialized in teaching children and they're better at it than you. But at what? Like better at teaching them what? And it's it's to, to shape them into the cogs in the machine so that they'll be able to fit in and do their thing. But for what purpose? It's to, to increase our technology, right? Because that's what happens. We get richer and we get better and more efficient at creating technology. It's it's what I keep. I go back to this idea because it's so it puts it so eloquently that Joe Rogan talks about. It's like we're the caterpillar building the electronic butterfly. Mm. We don't know what we're doing, and we're but we're hell bent on doing it. <laughs> it's just. It's going faster and faster and we're getting better and better at it. But what, what are we working towards? You know, what, and it seems obvious that it's some sort of super technology, either an AI or us merging with our technology and spreading around the galaxy. That's, that's where we're going. I mean, what, I mean, unless I'm wrong, do you, you see in a hundred years, if everything goes perfectly and we don't kill ourselves, isn't that where we're going? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's, Why? I think that's what they want to do. I don't know if that's what we'll be able to do because I, I don't know that, that quote that you did, um, 
about the caterpillar creating the electronic butterfly, I think is, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I love that. Cause that's, yeah, we, like, we don't know what we're doing and we're doing, but we're doing it at all costs. And I think, I think, yeah. I think that the costs are incredibly severe when you look at how a society mm-hmm. is just breaking down because we don't have that support structure anymore. We, we don't have, yeah. and I know, I know a lot of modern white women that don't want to hear this part, but um, I think when you, <laughs> when you take away from the primal instincts from the primal urges too much and you try to this like modern spin on like we can't have gender norms we can't have we can't even have gender like all this stuff you're you're erasing just instinct and basic biology and trying to just I don't play mad scientists and put these things together and see what you come up with. And that's why there's so much, I don't know, hate and contempt in the world because we're going against what we actually are. And I think if we just take a massive step back and, you know, women just naturally are better nurturers that I mean, that's just a, mm-hmm. a fact. And if if we took a step back mm-hmm. and ignored the fact that the government pushed women into the workforce so they could double their tax supply, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying that women just need to be in the kitchen and be at the home, but like they are far superior at it because that is, you know over time that's what they've done i mean if you want to go into the, right. the biblical side of it they're supposed to be the crown upon the man's head and right i don't know like i break it down as you know a crown kind of signifies power you know that, that yeah <laughs> so the woman is what gives the man power so it's not mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. It's not where it says like women should submit to their husband. It's not like, no, you need to be submissive and quiet and just cook and clean and take care of babies. That's not what that's saying. But like as, as a family unit, like the woman is what gives the man power. She, she is the power of that household Mm -hmm. of that family unit and gives the man the ability to be able to go out and hunt and gather and provide. And I right. think if we were to rewind even further where we did take care of our parents, our grandparents, great grandparents, you know, it, we created our own villages, our own communities through that. So it wasn't just a single mm-hmm. woman, you know, working 40 plus hours, taking kids to, you know, I don't know soccer practice, coming home, cooking dinner and doing all this stuff. It wasn't just that. You know, so if we stop sending our kids to eight hours of Rockefeller education, stop sending our parents to retirement homes, 
and assisted living homes. And we, we humbled ourselves and took care of those who raised us and created our own village. I think we would have a much better community-driven society. Right. Oh, and going back, like having grandparents in the home too, That's it kind of ties back to that idea of passing on ideas from the past too. Because you'd be exposed to it a lot more. You'd you'd have a more solid uh, worldview instead of, you know, so they, they'd be around the grandchildren all the time and would be able to pass on their ideas and their way of looking at the world in a way that is not the case right now because it's, it's completely separated. We've taken the generations apart is what we've done. The kids go and get raised by the state and the grandparents go somewhere else to die and the parents go to, you know, just whatever their job so that they can pay for all that. And it's, it's torn the generations apart in a way that would have never been the case before. Yeah. And so that, and that's so recent. That's such a recent phenomenon. That's a hundred years or less old. And it's never been like that ever. So we don't even know what we've lost. Yeah, I I think that I don't know this this big push of for diversity and creating community and um, you know worrying about these far corners of the world like what's going on there. I think is I feel like we've talked about this before, but I, I feel it's just driving people crazy. It's just it's too much um, to take in to hold like we're not meant to have all that the weight of the world on our shoulders we're just we're not meant for it and so like i think we're losing i mean i guess i can't quantify this but i think we're losing a sense of self and i mean really humanity and that goes back to your your matrix analogy that yeah we're, we're we're just we're cogs, we're slaves to the machine, to the state, to whatever it is. We're mm-hmm. like, man, I don't know. Cause what would make your life easier? You know, some Alexa driven, like, Oh, Alexa, order this on Amazon. Cause we just ran out. Or would it be the man goes out, he's working, doing, you know, whatever it may be providing for the family, be it, food, money, whatever. He comes home. The kids have already been educated by either the mother, the grandfather, the grandmother. Stuff around the house is done by the mm-hmm. grandfather. Dinner's already made. No one has to worry about it because there's whether it's a team effort where the grandmother, the mother did you know what I mean? Every every aspect is mm-hmm. already done. Yeah. You know, and it that's going to give so much time to everybody it gives purpose to your parents or the grandparents, mm-hmm. which will help them live a much longer, happier, enriched life. It alleviates so much time from everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think we just, Oh man. So in that, well, just, 
just seeing that that example right there, it's I can't I don't understand how Sierra teaches the kids and takes care of the house. I mean, she's literally working two full time jobs at least, and it doesn't seem sustainable. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that would be you would just slot in two or four grandparents in there and then it all makes sense. That's that's exactly what's supposed to be happening, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I really think it is. Uh, and I think we've talked a lot yeah. about um uh how you know we've lost a lot from like women joining the workforce and up and but up until now, like I, I don't think we've talked enough about losing that like the grandparents are part of the family unit, whether we want to admit it or not, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think you said something pretty cool um, about having the grandparents there that they can um, pass on their ideas and um, their thoughts, their experiences, things like that. I think another thing that we are missing too is um them giving perspective to the grandchildren on their parents. So what I mean by that yeah. is, um, I don't know, for instance, like growing up, um, my dad and I didn't have like the best, we never like a bad relationship, but we just didn't have a great one because I didn't know how to deal with him. And I don't think he knew how to deal with a crazy does whatever he wants kid either but i think having mm-hmm. the grandparents involved they would have been able to sit me down and said hey this is how to deal with your father and then the grandparents could have also sat him down and said hey you were like this when you were a kid so you got to keep that in mind and it just gives you that a little right. bit of an outside perspective but still keeping the family unit intact and I think kids would have a lot better relationship with their parents. Yeah. That's not, that's something I hadn't even considered. That's a good point. And, and it, and overall it just creates uh, more stability, uh, cultural stability too. Um, Cause once you get that separation um, ideas, can completely change in a generation. We're seeing a lot of that too. Oh, definitely, yeah. With what's going on in the world, is we're we're so malleable, and most people are completely shaped by the current culture, whether it's the social media or in the school system, interacting with other people their age. Like that's not even that's not something that's supposed to happen in nature either. You don't put a group of kids that are all the same age together. That's you're supposed to be with older kids and younger kids and grandparents and adults. And you, you understand where you fit in um, and you can take lessons from other people. And it's, it's a really bizarre thing to just take a group of people who are all the same age and have, you know, these ideas just fed into their head. And you know what that sounds like? It's, it's a military unit, you know, we're like practically Spartans. We're Spartans. 
were taking the children away from the family at seven years old, like the Spartans would, and raising them <laughs> for a purpose. That's a really bizarre thing. It's, I mean, the only context that we have for that is a military application. Um, so people who are designed to work as a team to accomplish a goal. And that's, that's the purpose is so that they can fit into the workforce. You have these inter, you know, uh, replaceable parts. If one is defective or doesn't quite work right, you just get another one. Yeah. <laughs> and they're plug and play. And when yeah. you, it's weird, man. I keep thinking about when you that. say it like that, that completely removes the faux self-importance that we have. Mm. So that does kind of make it sound a little more cynical, but I think it's, it's more mm. factual, right? Because when in the grand scheme of things, like we are just cogs, everyone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it's, you know, like the Gateses and the Soroses of the world, like they might be a bigger cog or might be moving something, but something's still moving them. And mm-hmm. um, I don't, man. Yeah, like, so, I mean, we're tricked into thinking that our ideas are important. Our participation is meaningful in in life because they just need people to play their role move their part of the machine when really we just need to realize we're not that important and what is important is in my opinion building that family unit up and that's how you further ideas and further generations in my opinion mm. I think, actually, I mean, I would think of it as a different way. That's the way things have been. Um, and it actually keeps things stable and you don't get new ideas. It cements things and could really be part of the reason why humans didn't advance much for 300,000 years is because we just live like that, which is very close to how animals live. Um, just with a different twist on it and what's changed and why we have this on stopping acceleration curve of technological advancement is that we have broken that system and we're hurtling in the direction of uh, completely losing our humanity. Um, and people talk about that. It's kind of a zeitgeist thing out there is the, you know, it's where you get trans, you know, transhuman. It didn't used to me. I mean, that idea, I think I read that in the C.S. Lewis book. They talked about transhumans and it didn't mean whatever the hell we're doing now with gender. It meant not human, integrated with something else, with technology. And that's it's so weird that that echoes. It's almost like it comes from outside of us. Or it's something that we all realize is happening and it got lost in translation and people now start 
to think that it means you have to change your gender. But it's this, we've, we're all realizing that on this path, this current trajectory, we are not going to be human much longer. We're going to transform into something else. We're going to merge with technology. And, you know, we have to kind of, we'll have to facilitate that at some point because our current structure, our bodies, our genes are not designed for that. We're designed to be a family unit hunting and gathering. And that's not compatible with where we're going. So we're going to have to start modifying that. Then that's kind of where the, the transgender thing comes in. You also have to modify the differences between men and women so that we're homogenous so that we break that, that uh, fundamental desire and setup to make a family unit and we're better able to just integrate into the machine. You know, you can't have gen, we have to be, humans have to be a thing and not men and women. They have to be, uh, I don't even know. There's talk now about not even needing humans. Hmm. Um, and that's all the, the elite types talk about um, reducing the population to like 500 million. And that's all that we need because the machines will do the work for us. It's, I mean, we're, we're living in a sci-fi dystopia or a utopia, depending on where it goes. But I mean, dang dude, within our, within a couple generations, like humans could be obsolete in this picture. <laughs> um, but maybe not. You know, it's like the, that's another thing that I've heard people talk about is the only way for us to stay around is to integrate with the machines. Because uh, if it is moving in the way it's going, we're going to develop some sort of artificial general intelligence um, that'll be able to do the thinking for us. And at that point, we're no longer necessary, except for some maybe, you know, some maintenance functions or some outside the box thinking that it's not capable of. So it'll just keep a few of us around as pets. But, you know, the, the other side of that is to somehow integrate that technology into our brains and make us inseparable in a way so that it can't live without us. Creating. And so a, it has to a literal hive mind basically. Yeah. Which were there, you know, you've said that, all you've said that constantly the hive mind and that's that's what the internet has created it's created a hive mind it's connected all human minds together and it could be good it could be bad i i don't know because nobody knows it's different it's definitely different um it's what it's classified as um there's like this kirchhoff scale i think it's called of technological advancement there's type one, two, and three, and then theoretical four uh, civilizations. And a type one civilization is able to harness all of the energy that a planet has, whatever that means, and control the weather, control earthquakes. Basically, we're close to that. We're like a 0.7 on that scale. The internet, though, is 
a true type one technology. Um, and it's, so it's, we came up with this technology that's farther ahead of us than we are. We're not ready for it yet. And we're still trying, we're sorting it out in real time. Um, how we fit into that picture and it really is it's overwhelming and it's breaking people's brains um, but the next generation and the generation after that they may not be confused about that you know they grow up with it it is the air that they breathe basically you know if they're on technology all the time they don't know any different so we've already made that step um and I, I don't know if there's any going back. I mean, it it's nostalgic to think about it. Um, and ideally, it is best for humans, right? Like the family structure, the nuclear family, and just working to keep ourselves alive. But I think we've gone past that. And I don't know if there is any going back at this point. We've like opened the can of worms. I think... Pandora's box, I guess. I think as as a society as a whole, I'd agree that there is no going back. Mm-hmm. But I think on a small scale, I think people could. You know, for instance, like you could, I could. Yeah. You know, anybody who's yeah. listening could. And it'll be... It'll be like a brave new world where you have the reservation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you remember that? Like they have the whole world is technologically advanced and they're all psychopaths and they don't, they make children in a laboratory and they're all drugged out of their mind. Um, but then they have the, the reservation with the natural humans and they just find them repulsive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exact. But those, those people are free. And that's mm-hmm. that's one thing that I've really soured on is that's kind of what we've been engineered to think of as Americans is like, oh, we're the freest country in the world. Yeah. You know, like all this freedom, but like like we've just been talking about what freedom do we have when we're slaves to the machine? Mm-hmm. But when you when you aren't part of that machine, that's where freedom comes from. And I think, I do think that that is where ideas come from because of the other perspectives and because of, you know, you had mentioned, um, you know, people will, will grow up with the newer technology or the AI, you know, machine transhuman thing. And that's just the way it is and they'll be able to build upon that. But I think that is kind of how we've gotten here is because people have gotten ideas, you know, whether it's parents, grandparents, you know, spark that idea and then they're able to build upon that. So I don't think, you know, I'm not saying that we should just go back to, you know, farming and cooking with fire and all that stuff. But you know, going right. back to building up that family and, you know, that that's going to, to me, that is going to spark more 
from a child than I don't know Rockefeller education plugging into a machine and because all that stuff is designed to and you might have said this earlier I can't remember but is designed to to stymie thought and free think and build upon things yeah and yeah I just yeah a hundred percent stifles creativity yeah and I I I think we've we've lost that. We we discourage that. That would be interesting. Yeah, it's it's we're almost but I shouldn't say we America and the western countries are kind of uh what would you call it? separating themselves, bifurcating from most of the world. Most of the world lives in what we would call poverty um but they live a more natural existence where all this is actually happening and it's most of the population it's only in the rich countries that we're running this weird experiment it's we're almost separating and we will we will separate very soon into two distinct species just like that brave new world it'll be most of China, India, Africa, South America is going to be the regular humans. And then there's going to be the other half that's integrated with technology and are the cyborgs or transhumans. That's, but you could, you could drop out and still move to South America, start a commune <laughs> <laughs> and live the natural it's like we have a choice we have a choice that strikes me i just, I just keep coming up with this everybody's talking about the end of the world and revelation but that be the, the straight up mark of the beast right there you got to accept the technology into your life i say as i'm talking to you over the <laughs> internet with a headphone in my ear staring at a screen right <laughs> I, I don't have it in my body yet, but... well that's Yet you mentioned something earlier about uh, uh, I forget how you said it, but uh, like humans would essentially become obsolete, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think that kind of I don't like that goes back to what what does it mean to be human, and mm. I don't know. Like, I just I do think. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but um, I do, I do all I know. I know we've lost our humanity. We've lost what that means. And I mean, even something as simple as, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, just, you know, talked about like the homeless having it figured out, but, you know, taking care of the homeless, taking care of the poor, that's humanity. And not Mm -hmm. protesting or agitating and thinking that's doing something. That's not humanity. Humanity is actually helping those in need, not getting upset with somebody who has a different idea than you or a different um, way of thinking, but talking to them, getting their perspective, learning things. That's humanity is furthering the species and, helping each other out. 
I so then on that note, the uh, and, the, and it, it actually goes perfectly with Christianity too. Is the uh, border and letting um, the world hear, and I think it goes hand in hand with Christianity. Is that we should, if you would, if you would follow that logic, we should let in anybody in the world who wants to be here, and we should do it gladly. Does that follow? I mean, does that make sense to you? It does. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Or do you, is there something I'm missing? Well, well, I think, and I could be way off base here, but I think you have to look at it. it, It's more nuanced to me because, Hmm. Um, when you think about it, so in Christianity, heaven, heaven has borders, right? And Mm -hmm. it is a community, but you have to essentially assimilate in order to get in. And I don't mean that to be blasphemous if it is, um, but in a, I don't think so. So. I mean, uh, as far as like the border or immigration or whatever, um, yeah, absolutely. People should be able to go where they choose, but to some degree assimilate, right? Um, Mm. Cicero, I'm going to paraphrase it. I don't remember the exact quote, but um, he was talking about uh, like coastal cities versus uh like more inland border cities and he essentially um says that like you do need to assimilate and you can't allow diversity in and Mm. what he meant like what his you know ancient roman view of diversity was like you can't really have diversity of thought necessarily. So like, right. Going back to like, we're talking about the family units and kind of creating your own community. Um, yeah. Accept people in, but like you have to, you can't rabble rouse within the community and you can't try to take over the community and you can't, be like, oh, I'm going to take advantage of, you know, say you have a community who has like a family unit who's done very well with, you know, agriculture, has a great farm and has a lot of food. Well, I'm going to take advantage of your food, but I'm not going to help and not going to produce in that at all. I'm going to kind of do my my thing, but just take advantage of that. Like I, I feel that those ideas conflict and I don't feel like that's necessarily what I, I guess the Christianity examples are. I do think there is some mm. degree of, cause like with Christianity, you can enter, like I said, you had to assimilate. You have to, one of the biggest tenets of Christianity is you have to deny yourself. Mm-hmm. So when you 
die every day to yourself and work towards what it means to follow Christ, well, you're basically kind of giving up that idea and you're going full sail into that community. And I think, mm-hmm. so I think whether it's, you know, England, Russia, China, you know, America, if you go in and like, oh, I just want to live like this, but take advantage of that. Well, you're not, that's not being a part of it. That's not, does that make sense? I don't know. I feel like I rambled and yeah, wasn't coherent. No, no, no. That was really good. I was trying to just figure out, figure out your thought process on it. That it's, it's the shared, the shared cultural values are necessary to first before people can join the community. But that that's just if you want a stable community. Um, I'm questioning because you think about you were talking about how people had to chip in. Like if somebody has a well uh, taken care of farm and people can't just come and help themselves without working on it. Um, But what if they do? And what if, uh, hmm, and who says that you own that anyways? And (laughs) (laughs) didn't Jesus say that the rich man should give up everything to get to heaven? And also, you're talking about assimilation too to get to heaven, but on earth, did he talk about assimilating? I mean, he did, like you were saying, he said you have to die to yourself and work for others, which would be a culture of its own. That would be a cultural ethos. Um, what, I, what I'm getting at is I think that, I think that the Jesus teaching on Christianity sounds a lot like communism. <laughs> that, I mean, that's, that's where to, I was going with To that. me, it's the opposite of communism. It's communism is, it, it, it's everybody's regardless of effort. But, but Christianity... Well, not necessarily. It, that, I mean, because the way communi- communism was implemented is that's that's how it went. But if you had a... So it would be the... the um, the ultimate form of Christianity would be communism with no leadership. Cause that's what, you know, Marx and everybody talked about was the state would dissolve away, which we all know is not possible, but they had to have a strong state to first implement this, to distribute all the wealth and get everybody in the right place and organize society so that then there could be uh, communism. But if you had this perfect Christian ethos and everybody had it, communism would be possible. I will I will disagree because communism okay. and I mean it's the biggest enemy of communism is uh the middle class or the have a littles as Alinsky called mm-hmm. it. Um the reason why is because they they won't really fight to change the system and they won't really fight. They will fight to maintain what they have essentially. Um, Right. So like as far as Christianity goes, um, I mean, I guess 
it sounds like you're kind of equating that because of the taking care of others and kind of bringing everybody else up type of thing. But Mm -hmm. Christianity to me is, it's a lot more individual based because anybody can enter, can get uh, citizen status within it, right? It's very easy. All Mm -hmm. you have to do is accept that Jesus is the son of God Mm -hmm. and believe it. And then once you do that, you essentially have to have a, like a personal relationship. And in doing that, you, you listen to what Jesus says and you listen to what God says and you communicate back to them. And in doing that, you will start doing the things, taking care of the widows and the less fortunate and the poor and the sick. Because that's what Jesus commanded to do. And you have more love. And so you will take those things, but you assimilated into that. So with communism, they take something away from others. They, 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 some, something has to come down in order for others to be built up. And I guess you could equate that to, you know, killing yourself every day. Figuratively, obviously. Um, Right. But to me, that's different again, because you're denying the selfishness side of it. Whereas with communism, it is, it's lifting the selfishness side of it. Because, and I guess maybe this goes to what you're saying with the, um, if everyone was on the same page. Yes, exactly. Because then the the people with things would voluntarily and happily give to people who needed it. It's not asking. They would be given it. And then the people who needed would help in the best way that they could. It's kind of the to each according to their ability from each according to their need or whatever that I might've messed that up. It's uh, from each to, I don't know, whatever. But that idea is that people would voluntarily work at their best effort um, and not expect anything, but be given what they need um, when they needed it, which sounds an awful lot like Christianity. And I'm, I'm conflict. I'm, we're playing a game here. Obviously I, I, I just had the thought, um, but you know, there's a difference between communism as it has been implemented and theoretical communism. Um, and I, they seem to overlap a lot. And if you want to go, uh, like theological on it, it could be the devil's interpretation of Christianity. You know, communism as implemented is a mockery of Christianity. I think... Um, and I, I don't think I feel bad about saying this, but I I think that the way Christianity, at least in modern times, has been implemented uh, is incorrect as well. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. So. Because, I mean, really, you just read what was going on. It's like it really should be, you know, and it's not 
possible. But if it were, if you could flip a switch and every single person only had good intentions and only wanted to help other people, you could have a perfect utopia on Earth instantly. <laughs> uh, don't know if it would work, but and it's not possible, but it, I think if you could flip a magic switch be pretty cool <laughs> but it's utopian thinking and it's whatever i'm just just gaming this out so i was thinking it's thinking you know i've i've always been you know a strict border guy it's like we can't let the world in here and you know it'll just because we can't pay for it. We can't afford it. There's too many people. Um, I don't want them in my house. All these thoughts are tribalistic thoughts. And I was just had the idea that, you know, if you go with the, what would Jesus do? Um, something about refugees and all that stuff, you know, you'd let them all in. Um, and I personally, don't agree with that, but it just seems like it kind of fits with an ideal Christian value is all. And that's totally aside from what's really going on, because what's really going on is we're being flooded to destroy America. Uh, but, you know, I'm just thinking about different sides of this. <clears throat> oh, no, I lost him. Shoot, we're at an hour and one minute too. Well, now these, I suppose, now I can go, if it's just solo, I can go wild here. Um, so I had this idea, I've heard it a few different ways from different people. Uh, specifically, the first thing was, uh, there's this book called The Gods of Eden by William Bramley, which I've gone through uh podcast of somebody reviewing this like 10 times this really interesting concept uh also i read it again in c.s lewis recently with his sci-fi books and it's the idea that we are owned and you can go you can go the sci-fi route you can go the religious route um and it's kind of interesting how those two things converge um, basically that in, uh, the C.S. Lewis thing, uh, the main character travels to Mars and then later to Venus, but each planet has its own, uh, supreme being like an angel or guardian that owns the planet and all the species on it. And, uh, they work together, but earth, you know, the first book is called out of the silent planet. And that one the reason the earth is silent is because it's owned by essentially the devil. Um, it, and it's literally the devil, you know, there's the whole war and cast down. And so he's corrupted the earth. And uh, basically the people and creatures on earth don't have contact with the other ones outside of the earth. They're basically spiritually dead. And then the second, the second book, he goes to Venus and there's talk about there's a there's a whole like uh, Adam and Eve story and all that that goes on, and 
talk uh, eventually at the end of the book that the species on Venus will eventually gain uh, technological superiority uh, enough so that they can go invade the Earth and essentially liberate the planet. Which is just, dang, that's an interesting idea. To me, anyways. I mean, from a sci-fi perspective. Um, and this uh, William Bramley, basically, he lays out in detail how, uh, and gives different examples, and it's a long treatise on his philosophy, but essentially that the Earth is owned by a type of, a race of aliens, and that ownership can go back and forth. Um, basically, like we're, we're cattle or something. Um, and it goes back and forth. And perhaps going along with this weird, and this is out there. This is absolutely out there. And I don't say I believe this, but I've just put the pieces together. And it seems like it fits. You know, if you want to go crazy conspiracy theory, um, but it's just a piece of the puzzle that might be interesting to you. Um, uh, that perhaps ownership of the earth has changed recently. And somehow now humanity has, um, it's kind of the, the reason for the technological advancement and the speed of it. And we're being guided somehow, perhaps. Or, you know, maybe it's natural to become something else, something more useful. Uh, or that there's also this theory that, uh, I don't know who said it. It's, a lot of scientists have talked about this theory. I think, gosh, what's his name? Mm, he came up with this grabby aliens hypothesis. And the if you break it down to its roots, it's that if aliens were technologically advanced and had been around longer than humanity had, let's say millions of years, or had formed uh, shortly after the Big Bang, they would have already conquered the entire universe almost at light speed by now if they had been given millions of years to increase their technology. And the fact that we're not seeing that could mean that they don't exist. It could also mean that they have some sort of ethos or they've transformed themselves in a way where they don't have the desire to conquer things. And that if then there were technologically advanced species in the galaxy that had this ethos and they all, they would have to agree. Otherwise we'd see wars constantly. Uh, but they would want to monitor potential uh, species that were about to start traveling in the galaxy, specifically humans. Because if we had the ability to travel at light speed and do things like you would see in Star Trek, it would not be a utopia. It would be conquering and destruction and warfare, and we would not get along with said other species. Um, so there would be kind of a guidance or a straight up hard stop on our technological advancement until it could be determined that we were sufficiently advanced to not be barbarians. Um, so that goes along with the, the recent, maybe the brakes have been let off a little bit recently. And this is just wild out there stuff, but it's, 
you know, if you listen to enough sci-fi and read enough crazy books, you start to get the idea. But, um, and I, I don't know, there's no real conclusive way to go with this, but it does seem like something has changed very dramatically. And it could be like we were talking about with the, the internet. Um, and I may even be an example of this, <laughs> losing my mind because of too much information. Uh, but it seems that something very dramatic has changed uh, or has dramatically changed. Um, and our technology is just exponentially increasing which it's really never done before. Um, and, you know, with that idea of not being allowed to advance, that very well could have been natural phenomenon in the past. You know, you get uh, dramatic climate change or diseases that wipe people out. And so it's been kind of a check on advancement. Um, and it could be that we're just finally in a phase of the the planet uh, where life can be stable enough for us to advance. Um, and that's a recent phenomenon. And it could change again very soon before we get too much farther with our technological advancement and completely erase everything that we've achieved in the, the recent past. Or, you know, we could obliterate, obliterate ourselves with nuclear weapons. So... That could be the checking mechanism, which goes back to the idea of a great filter, um, which is a theory of why we don't see aliens out there, and that it may be extremely unlikely that life develops in the first place and then advances to the point where uh, organisms can actually think and create technology, um, just whether it's the sun exploding or gamma rays or life developing the mitochondria in the cell. I mean, there's billions of different variables there. Um, but I don't know. I just wanted to ramble because I had way too much coffee and Greg's not coming back, I guess. I don't know if I, I just, internet's just been really unreliable, but, um, yeah, that's just that CS Lewis book. I, I would recommend reading that if you can, uh, it's, it's sort of sci-fi, but, you know, written in the 20s or 30s, but it's still pretty good for that period of time. Um, and it's it goes along kind of with his his Narnia series as well. It's it's pretty much exactly the same, except uh, Narnia is written for children. Um, but it's going back and just kind of I, I hope what would you say war gaming or uh, gaming out different scenarios with like Adam and Eve and creation and all that. But um, it is, it is always strange how if you get uh, advanced enough sci-fi, it just always goes back to religious ideas as well. Um, and whether those two are connected, who knows, but they, they, it always seems to share some similar similarities when you really start to get philosophical about these things. Um, yeah, I don't know what to do with that, but 
maybe maybe this is interesting to you. Um, I'm going to call it for the day and see what happened to Greg. But uh, until next time. Speaking of podcasts and waste of time, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here, people. You're wasting your life. <laughs>